It's so funny because I'm on a stage. I feel like it's really rude for me to be sitting down. I don't know. Why, I don't know why that is. Sitting down and reading. Sitting down and reading from a page. So, if you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. Sorry. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then welcome to the strange South. Hi. Hello. So I'm Patrice. And I'm Marlea. And every week um, on our podcast, we swap bizarre stories, unique Southern stories. And we drink. And we drink. And we swear. Yeah. This show is explicit, so if you did not get the warning, we tried to plaster it all over the place. Um, it is not a kid-friendly show. It's not a work-friendly show. I guess it it's not safe on, for work. It's not safe for work. We are not safe for work. Right. Use your earbuds if you're, you know, listening right? to podcasts. Right, so if that's something, you know. Just be aware. Just be aware and... You know. And we wanted to say thanks to Christy, yes. who's just up here, the Thank artistic you. director for Wetumpka Depot Players. She reached out and invited us to come here, and we were so excited for that. I know. And we were just talking the other day about the Wetumpka show because of the Thomas Jefferson story that I did at the last episode. So, Just in case you didn't know, Thomas in, Jefferson was involved in a UFO sighting. Right. So Thomas Jefferson in the UFO. Um, but it was supposed to fly overhead and it exploded, but it didn't leave a crater. And so we started talking about craters, and they brought up that there's actually a crater here in Wetonka that we didn't know about. Mm -hmm. And every time, see, we've come down to Montgomery several times through Wetonka, and um, me and Courtney drive, Courtney is our bartender. Say hi, bartender Courtney. <laughs> and we, we bring an entourage wherever we go. <laughs> But, uh, and this is our friend Chad, Box Fan Chad, if you've ever listened to the Chad show, that's here, him. right? Um, but, uh, you know, every time we drive down to Wetumpka, we see this pull-off on 231 that says impact site of the, you know, Wetumpka, it's the Wetumpka impact crater. And we're like, we always want to stop, but it's never, ever open. And, uh, and everybody's like, I hear all of you guys. You're like, I can tell you why. <laughs> you know? <Right>? But, uh, <laughs> right. But, um, we had, is Nan here? Did she make it? Did Nan, Nan make it? Is that Nan? Are you, because Nan has been talking to us on the internet. Is that right. you? Okay, Hi, Nan. how are you? Hi, Nan. So Nan gave us, like, she gave us so much information. First of all, she gave us a great recipe for Titus tea. Oh, yeah, thank you. Which we're going to have to try, right? And she told us that the crater is seven miles, but and stuff got developed on it because it wasn't really confirmed until, like, the 90s. And you can see it from Jasmine Hill Gardens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, you said, right, that the, the there's supposed to be a visitor center built, but it hasn't been built yet, and that's why it always looks like it's closed? Is that... Just need a couple million dollars. Don't we all? Don't right? we all? I mean, we just all need the wealthy benefactor in our lives to just come in and save the day. Yes. But, uh, yeah, so she, she solved a mystery for us, because we seriously talk about that every time we drive by. Yeah, Courtney's saying we should just go anyhow. We should go anywhere. <laughs> okay, so do you have any postmortems from the last show? Not that I can think of. No, okay. I didn't really have any show notes from the last time. Well, so. the only thing, then I'm shamefully like embarrassed because Courtney jumped all over me after our last podcast. You did, <laughs> because you were like, you didn't mention the dolls. And how I found Bear Creek Swamp is because of the dolls that was left in Bear, uh, Bear Creek 
and I didn't mention it at all. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I said nothing about it. So there were like 23, a bunch of dolls that somebody had gone way out into the swamp and placed. And you know what? I think I didn't think about it because I thought, well, that's like an art student project. And <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, big deal. Art students do that every year, and they try to get an A, right? Um, so, yeah, creepy dolls in Bear Creek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, swamp, along with the other bunch of creepy things. (laughs) Oh, and uh, just so that we can explain to you, anybody who hasn't listened to the show before, every week we sit here, we swap stories. We don't tell each other what we're going to talk about in advance. So We don't plan it, really? Yeah, we don't really plan it. Sometimes themes just arise, and it's spectacular. Right. But usually it's just, you know, we're just trying to respond the way that we would normally respond if somebody's telling us a fun story. So that's usually the way we do things. And um, this show is being recorded for our podcast. So if you want to hear yourself laughing, hopefully raucously, or gasping (laughs) with horror at whatever we're going to say. Utter um, silence. Yes. You can can go on and subscribe to the podcast or listen to it on our website. It will be episode 29, and it will show up next Friday. It'll be live. Or next Saturday. It'll be live the 20th. Right. Um, so there, that's your information. That's your information, yes. So this week I go first. <laughs> okay, so I want to tell you a bit about a scary story. And it's scary because it happened in rural Alabama. <laughs> and it happened in, like, around Huntsville. So I'm assuming most of us are pretty familiar with rural woody areas and stuff. And the reason I found this is I was on a website called Reddit. So Reddit is just, it's a crazy website if you've never ventured <laughs> to it. But it's like you ask the internet a question and the internet responds. <laughs> and, and it's interesting how the internet responds. And I mean, it's like every topic, every niche that you can think of, it's on Reddit. So I was just scrolling through there, and I read this story about this man who was asking the people on the forum for help. And I was like, that's kind of strange. But before I get to his story, I'm going, um, well, while I was reading his story, uh, the name Champagne um, came up. And I was like, first of all, thank God I can pronounce it. I thought you said champagne. And I was no, like, ooh. Champagne. No, right? No, champagne. So if you don't know what a champagne is, it is a malevolent, ogre-like monster of Choctaw folklore. Oh. And um, some legends, he abducts Choctaw women and others. He's a man-eater. He's not a good dude, right? <laughs> he is sometimes described as a giant Sometimes he's hairless. Sometimes he's hairy. So there's a lot of confusion, maybe, with the Bigfoot lore mm. and um, this. Although, to me, Bigfoot is kind of, unless, what is it, you smile at Bigfoot where he punches you in the face? <laughs> Don't cry in front of Bigfoot Don't or cry he'll punch in you in the face. Right. Yes. If you cry in front of Bigfoot, we found out he'll punch <laughs> you in the face. So, um So sometimes mistaken for Bigfoot, intertwined with the Bigfoot legend. But his most special feature is he smells. And like this, that's a like, skunk ape thing, he's right? He's a skunk like, ape. Oh, so yes. Florida has a skunk ape that we haven't done um, cryptids on or anything uh, on our episodes yet. It's coming. Um, <laughs> but so he, he smells, and that's how you can tell one's around. Oh, my God. So <laughs> the champagne lives in the deepest part of the woods. He cannot stand the brightest of the sun or open air. 
he, he smells blood, kind of like a shark. He gets the scent of blood, and it'll attract him. So if you're hunting and you have, like, game on you, he'll follow hunters. Um, he's been known to follow um, hunters that were carrying wounded game, and, but he doesn't have good vision. So, you know, but he smells. <laughs> so he doesn't have good vision, but he smells. And he said, even though he doesn't have good vision, he can track because of his scent, which I don't really understand because if he stinks, that's what I was thinking. How can he like get over the smell? Because like, I know when I stink, that's all I smell, right? <laughs> oh my God. So, another thing that the champagne does is he makes a whistling noise as he stalks you through the woods. That's and not as scary. I'm like, yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Barney Five. I'm really impressed by the way. I didn't know I could whistle. So. That was impressive. Good first try. <laughs> um, so the Choctaws, it said, wouldn't live in an area, obviously, where he has lived or been spotted, first of all, because he smells. I imagine it would stink. Um, but they would also kind of drop their game and like hope the game would distract him so that they could move elsewhere. So Champais have um, been said that when the Choctaw people moved out to the west on the Trail of Tears, uh, followed them there, and then when they came back, they followed them to the south. But soon after, they migrated back up to the Midwest. Uh, and I don't... I don't they know. I don't know. So, um, so you know, little tracking collars, I guess. Uh, so it's said that not all the Champagnes, like, moved to the West, that some stayed behind. And these are the ones that we're talking about that are still maybe here today. The rogue Champagne. The rogue Champagne. Um, so let's talk about this guy's story. He didn't leave his name. He had a username, but we're just going to call him Steve. Okay. Okay. So Steve and his family moved to a house in northern Alabama. The house was surrounded by woods in the front and a little bit in the back, but like past the woods in the back, there was just like this huge open field. And um, he said like the closest house was probably like a mile or so away. You know, it was very pretty. The house was gorgeous, except it was creepy. <laughs> it was painted a faint blue color, which oh, we all know with that faint. That's a bad paint sign. Paint blue. <laughs> it's always it's not a good sign. I uh, had a very old wraparound porch, which I totally love. I'm totally on board with this I know, house. I wish I had that. Right? Um, and an old red door. It's also, like I said, was surrounded by woods because he's out in the boonies. He's out in rural Alabama. And so one night, as you do... You go out into your big wood, and you grab, you get all. I'm sorry, I was like, he went to pee, didn't he? Is that? I, I know, I know. Okay, so I'm sorry. That's no, that's fine. So he's going to burn stuff, you know, as oh, you oh, do. Yeah, sorry, totally. not going there. Okay, so he's going, he's going to burn stuff. So he's getting all of his, you know, trash and. Chopping wood. <laughs> I can't even say it anymore without you looking at me I'm funny. Sorry. Okay. okay. And so um, lights a bonfire, has his truck there. He, uh, you know, gets his lawn chair out and sits in it and drinks a beer and watches his bonfire. And he's like, all of a sudden, he starts hearing this clicking noise, like, <laughs> and he's like, y'all, I practice that. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm sure they are wondering what I was doing <laughs> in the bedroom while I was preparing. <laughs> okay, so he starts making this clicking noise from the left side of the woods. And he's like, it's one of those annoying clicking sounds like I just did that kids sometimes make. Um, so he just brushed it off as maybe being a strange bird down here that he didn't. I don't think Steve was from the South. Uh. Okay. So he, he brushed off, you know, like that's just some weird animal and whatnot. But then he starts hearing it again. And it's a little bit louder. And he's like, it, whatever it was, it's almost like it wanted him to come out and investigate it. So he said, he says, Anybody out there? You know, like, anybody out there? Because <laughs> he's by himself. And then he hears, <laughs> right? So he decided it's just a bird. So he went to his truck, opened up the door, like, turned some music on, sat down, tried to chill, you know, tell him it's not the boogeyman or anything like that, that it's just his imagination. He's like, then the trees start to move to the right side of the forest. Oh, my God. And he gets a little nervous, right? And he's not a supernatural. He, he doesn't believe in, like, supernatural or weird things like that. He's like, maybe it's just a big dog or, at the worst, a bear or something. And then the fire starts to die down, and then he hears a new uh, sound. He says, and it almost sounds like somebody whispering. Oh, God. Anybody. <laughs> anybody. <gasps> Nuh-uh. And so he's like, okay, it's maybe some weird radio interference. Because, you know, sometimes you can turn your speakers on and it picks up, like, local radio, you know, chatter or whatever. So he turns off the radio. And he's like, and he's, he's reaching into his truck and he hears, like, footsteps behind him. And he swears he hears somebody going, anybody, anybody, anybody. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> and he looks around, but he can't see anybody. He heard it, but he couldn't see, you know, he couldn't see anybody. Um, he's like, it's dark outside. The fire's going down. He's miles from any, like, natural or any, like, artificial lighting. So it's really dark. Um, and he sees his house out in the far distance. And he's probably thinking to himself, fuck. <laughs> That's what I'd be thinking to myself. <laughs> oh, my God. So then, you know, he looks over. He's looking at the house, and he looks over, and there's something peering at him from behind a tree. But he couldn't make out the shape. He's like, but whatever I saw, he knew that it saw him back because it immediately crouched lower, like behind the tree and crouched down. Mm. And he said that when it was standing up, it was, like, really tall and skinny. He's, like, thinking about it mm. now. It, this is what he wrote. He's like, it almost makes him sick to think about, like, what it looked like when he saw it. He's like, he didn't know what it was. He says it got on all fours, you know, like he saw it and, and he didn't want to be seen, you know. So Steve, like an idiot, <laughs> starts to walk towards it. <laughs> Maybe he had too many beers, <laughs> right? So um, it runs off, um, you know, he, he runs off around the fire um, to the other side of the woods and... Uh, Steve, you know, grabs his chair, sprints to the truck, throws the chair in the truck, jumps into the truck, and calls 911. So he says, you know, person says, 911, what's your emergency? He's like, there is something outside my house. It's outside here with me, and it kind of looks like a tall, naked man, <laughs> which I think is a legitimate 911 call, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So... 
they said, we'll send an officer to you, um, you know, just stay somewhere safe and, you know, we'll be there in a second. He's like, please hurry because I think it's watching me. Um, he's like, and then he heard it go. <laughs> you know, and I don't it was, know what's scarier, like the, the idea of a cryptid, like making that noise or the idea of a tall naked man making a clicking noise. It, it's a tie. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's a tie, right? Yeah, I agree with you, Courtney. It's the naked man that's scarier. Um, so, but he said it was like right in his ear and he's on his phone, right? Oh God. He's on his phone. Just called 911. He says right in his ear. And so he looks over on the side of his truck and it's standing right outside his truck. And so he's frozen. And he's like, I didn't want to move. I didn't want to make any sudden movement. But he has the light on his phone because it's pitch black. And there's no lights out there besides like the dying fire. So he says that he turns his phone like this to like shine a light on it so he could see it better. And he's like, it was so dark. He had a really hard time making it out. Um, he said his eyes were moving really fast, like it was trying to take in all of the stuff that was going on. Um, its ribs were protruding from its body, and it had like this dark substance on its nails, and it stunk. Ooh. So it said it didn't have any hair on its body. It was just kind of a dull gray. So, of course, he jumps, thank God, he jumps out of the truck, he sprints for his back door, and he didn't hear it following him. So he runs, he leaps inside, he locks the door, he looks out back window towards the um, dying bonfire, and he sees it, like, in the outline, and it's sitting there staring at the fire. He's like, and then it looks at the house. Ugh. So about this time, of course, and of course, this is how you know this guy is not from the South. <laughs> that he makes it home, and that thing still does not have 2,000 bullets in him. <laughs> <laughs> right? There was no loading the shotgun or anything. So we know not from around here. <laughs> so the cops do arrive, and he couldn't fully explain what he, he, he didn't want to, tell them because he thought, well, they're going to think I'm completely insane, right? Um, and at this point, in like when he's telling this to the community on Reddit, he's like, if anyone has any idea what this thing is, could you please help me? I know a lot of you here know about what you're talking about. He's like, I'm scared for my family, and we can't afford to move again. Um, I'll update you if anything else happens. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, the Reddit responses are like, and then there was an update. So he says, Steve's friend got off work that morning um, around four after the cops came and came straight over. They looked around the woods for this thing and they found a, about a mile out, they found like a cleared out spot with some carcasses of some dead animals and laying in the center was Steve's keys to his truck. Oh my God. Which he had left in his truck while he was hauling ass to his house. So the, the keys were like in disarray and torn apart. And when he grabbed them, he noticed that his house key was missing. <gasps> no. So um, they looked till about 9 a.m. And he had to go to work. And he's like, apparently this thing is smarter than he thought. And he just says, my wife and kids will be staying at their parents tonight just in case. And then that's the last we no! heard from Steve. And that's the end of the possible champagne near Huntsville in rural Alabama. <laughs> that is not fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my 
gosh, that was a really good one, Patrice. <laughs> Holy cow. I know, right? Are you, are, you're concerned for him. I would be right. concerned for him. I'd be like, Absolutely. Oh, holy cow. Oh, 2014. Okay. So it's been a while. And it, so he never updated he again never after that. He never updated after, after that. Um, and somebody was like, we haven't, I'm not a crypto. Technologist, cryptozoologist, or, or anything, right? Um, and so people were saying it could be this, and I swear, you know, it's like it sounds like a, a champagne, and it sounds like a, um, or it sounds like a goat man. So I looked into goat um, men, Tennessee, but we'll get into that in a later episode because there's so much about that too. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So it's crazy, and there's stories like people's accounts of it on there. It's, it's very entertaining. <laughs> You're going to be on Reddit for the rest of your for life. For the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good... Well, we have no theme this time. I can tell you that for oh, sure. Oh, okay. Are we complete opposites? <laughs> we, uh, we're not exactly opposites, but it's very, very different. Mm-hmm. This is not true crime. I'm not doing true crime, so it's not completely opposite. I feel like that's the total opposite of cryptids is true crime. True. Um, this is usually the yeah, oh, this is good. usually when we take a break, but we always worry when we do live shows because it means we can't pee halfway through, but I think we're going to be okay. We're good. Um, okay. So my story, it's actually, it's kind of local, but it's kind of not. Because we talked about it and we were like, you can't really tell local stories better than you local can. people can, so you, you don't yeah. really want to go that far. But, um, so I took local uh, inspiration. Oh, I like that. So, okay, here we go. In Asheville, North Carolina, um, in the Montford neighborhood, which is like the historic district, swank historic area, there's a building called Montford Hall, which right now is a treatment center for teen boys, like a a treatment program. On the lawn, under a tree, there's a plaque. And the plaque reads, in memory of Zelda Sarah Fitzgerald, 1900 to 1948. And then there's a quote that is from a letter to her husband, F. Scott Fitzgerald. And the quote is, I don't need anything except hope which I can't find by looking backwards or forwards, so I suppose the thing is to shut my eyes. Um, Monford Hall sits on the former site of Highland Hospital, which was where there was a psychiatrist who started, it actually was like the Carroll Sanitarium before it was Highland Hospital. So the psychiatrist Robert Carroll treated residential patients there at Highland with what they called in the 30s and 40s mental and nervous disorders. Um, It became part of Duke University later, but um, one historian says the hospital was a lot more like a country club than it was like an asylum. It was like high-end assisted living. So Ah. he he, he went for diversion therapy. Um, Monford is Asheville's like swank neighborhood. I got on Zillow and I found out that neighborhood where it is, you can buy an 850 square foot house right now for $330,000. And I was like, dude, I will build you a shed in my backyard right now if you want to pay me $300,000. But in the 40s, it cost $1,000 a month to be treated at Highland Hospital. Oh, wow. In the 40s, Mm. which is probably like $10,000 a month right now. Um, So one of the hospital's most famous patients was Zelda Sarah Fitzgerald. And the English major in me is like, yay! Um, So, and and folks folks from here, folks from Montgomery, you probably know that her family, the Sarah family, is native to Montgomery here. Um, She lived here with her parents until she married Scott in 1920. She was only 20 years old when they got married. And they did live together for a year in the Sarah family house, which is 
on Felder Avenue, which is incidentally where wow. we're staying. No <laughs> joke. I swear to God, you guys, like the entire way here, all I wanted to do was tell these guys everything about what I was going to talk about, and I couldn't say anything. But um, so, our, the, and this is completely a coincidence. Like the Airbnb we're staying at is on Felder Avenue, right, right down the way from what is now the uh, Scott and Fitz, Zel, Scott and Zelda Fitzgerald Museum in Montgomery. Um, because it was their, their former house. They lived there for a year. Scott had already written this side of paradise when they got married, and um, it was like obscenely popular because people used to read books and make money writing them. <laughs> and so the royalties of it actually paid her away in Highland Hospital for a long time. She started going there like voluntarily in 1936, and she spent portions of the rest of her life in and out of that particular facility. So. I could say like a billion things about Zelda and Scott Fitzgerald and the dynamic of their relationship and the plagiarism charges and the alcoholism and the mental disorders, but the Fitzgerald Museum would do a lot better job of that than I would because it's filled with, if you haven't been there, like letters galore that they wrote to each other that just like provide a lot of insight into two very like amazing and remarkably fucked up people. <laughs> but I would say read Tender is the Night, Dick and Nicole Diver, that's my advice, visit the museum. But all that aside, she was a painter, she was a writer, she was a dancer, and she was married to a drunk. And they were, when they were together, their life was like chaotic. And she had a mental breakdown in 1930, and she was diagnosed as schizophrenic, which is why she was in and out of Highland Hospital for a long time. And I'm gonna stop talking about their history, except there's this one thing that I cannot help myself from sharing with you. Ernest Hemingway was a friend of Scott Fitzgerald's. Oh. He never liked Zelda. Oh. He said she was jealous of his work. He said she oh, wasn't God. good for him. He said she made him feel bad about himself. <laughs> and oh, now listen, that last God. part. <laughs> so Hemingway wrote A Movable Feast. And in A Movable Feast, he tells the story of him and Scott Fitzgerald sitting at the bar having drinks together. And Scott is like upset. He's lamenting this relationship. He is sad. He's man, Ernie, like... Sometimes we're just madly in love with each other and sometimes we just hate each other and we just want to beat each other all the time. They drink and they talk and eventually Scott confesses this. He says, <laughs> Zelda once told him, quote, the way I was built, I could never make any woman happy. What? He had a tiny dick. Oh, thank you for explaining that to me. <laughs> and so like, as <laughs> so Scott is like, hey man, you have to look for me. <laughs> You've got it. Is how small is it really, dude? Look for me. Tell like, me. Where did you find this? This story? is an actual story. <laughs> Ernest Hemingway wrote this shit down. <laughs> like this really happened. So Hemingway would prefer not to. I always assume that like Ernest Hemingway would have preferred to use the word cock in this situation. I don't know why, but that's just what I figured. But he actually looked at F. Scott Fitzgerald's dick. I think they do that to see whether it was okay. And he said. It's perfectly fine. He said, I mean, you're looking at it from above, so it's gonna look shorter. I'm like, um, okay. <laughs> John says, that's true. <laughs> Anyways, I'm really sorry, but I'm crass, and that was totally the only, that's the only reason that I wanted to share that story is because I got to talk about Scott Fitzgerald's penis. So, um, back to Highland Hospital. Um, as I said, Dr. Carroll used diversion. He used fresh air exercise, diet, basket weaving. He used stuff like that to cure mental disorders. And um, like I said, it was like a it was like a country club. They got daily massages. They rode horses. They played tennis. Apparently, like 
there was actually a, a competitive tennis circuit that played on their tennis courts. That's how good they were. Um, so it was considered a, a progressive hospital. But even though that was most of what the patients did, patients who had things like schizophrenia had other treatments too. And in the 40s, those treatments were electroshock therapy and insulin shock therapy. And I had never heard of insulin shock therapy. Yeah, so um, that was where they were injected with large doses of insulin <gasps> to put them into a hypoglycemic coma. Oh, my God. And this was used pretty commonly until the 50s. And then some guy was like, excuse me, this is dumb. <laughs> like, this does not help. This is basically useless. This causes irreparable brain damage. And... Um, I, I, that's one of those things. It's like skateboarding tricks where I'm like, who decided this was a good idea? Uh, like, why? <laughs> why did we start doing this? But um, so originally when these treatments were pioneered, there was no sedation involved. So if you did uh, electroshock therapy, therapy, you you had you were not sedated for it. And by the late 40s, when Zelda had was staying in this hospital, um, Dr. Carroll was sedating patients when they underwent electroshock. And then when they were recovering, they were they were kept sedated in a in secure rooms to make sure they were kept safe. So Zelda was at Highland in the spring of 1948. And at the beginning of March, doctors said, you know what, I think you're, I think you're good this time. You know, you can, you can go, it's okay. And like I said, she was there voluntarily every time. She was never committed. Um, but she decided she was gonna stay a couple more weeks. And that was a very, very unfortunate idea. So on the evening of March 10th, 1948, a fire broke out at Highland Hospital in the building where Zelda was staying. She had had electroshock therapy that day. Mm. And so she was sedated in a locked ward <gasps> on the top floor. No. And the fire started in the kitchen. There was a dumbwaiter shaft in the kitchen. It was supposed to be lined by code with metal, metal sheets on the inside. It was lined with plaster and mason board. So the flames got into it and shot up three floors like a chimney. Mm. And um, the facility had adequate fire escapes, but it didn't have a, a sprinkler system. And um, so the fire moved very, very quickly and nothing slowed it down. Um, fire, like, the nurses went back in, they were lauded as heroic. They saved the majority of the patients there. Um, firemen put ladders up to the top floor, but it was outfitted on the top floor with heavy screens and chains across the windows so that People patients jump. could not get out if right. they were having any kind of hallucinatory you know, issues. And this was all according to the inquest. So witnesses were standing on the lawn with no way to help. Oh, and so no. they just watched there and watched the building burn. They just stood out there and watched it. Um, nine women did die in the fire. Zelda's body was identified by a red leather slipper that she wore. Mm. She was 48 years old. Um, so, so there young. were investigations. I know, so right? Um, so there were investigations. There were rumors. Some of the rumors got bigger as the years went on. And uh, most likely, if you research this yourself, you'll find a lot more rumors than you will find fact. Um, there was one story, uh, Willie Mae Hall was the night nurse supervisor. She is actually in the paper. She's not 100% rumor. Um, I'm not sure whether this part is true. They said that she was a former patient of the establishment herself that Dr. Carroll would hire back previous patients. It was probably not true that she was a firebug, but that's one thing that people said, that she lit the fire intentionally. What did happen, she did turn herself into police um, later the night of the fire because she was like overcome with guilt at the possibility that she could have missed anything or, or done anything. Something. She was like, this has to be my fault. Right. And so did she did. Did we turn the coffee pot off? I know. Okay, that's thank the, you. I know, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, that was, but she, and of course she was never charged with anything, but the rumors persisted. People started saying she had cut the phone lines. Oh, People God. started saying she had double sedated patients that she didn't mm. like. 
and that she had intentionally locked people into certain wards so that they would you know, be taken by the fire. People at one point said Zelda set the fire. Um, they, people started saying that it was the violent patients that were upstairs and that, you know, that was, you know, they were up there in chains because, and that's not true either. Right. Um, the official and most likely true story is that the fire was set unintentionally by Greece. No arson charges ever filed. But anytime something like this happens, like on a large scale, People who are interested in like spiritual movement and you know hauntings and things are like, well, there's a lot of fucked up shit that happened here. Chances are somebody stuck around. So there are a lot of paranormal investigators that go to this site now. Ghost tours of Asheville and the Monford district go there and they tell, they kind of propagate some of these rumor stories. In 2010, someone on a haunted Monford stroll reported that they heard a whistle. That's just, oh, oh, hey, there's our theme. There's our leak. <laughs> um, they didn't hear me. <laughs> And they <laughs> Sorry. I practiced. I got to use it. Do it again. <laughs> but uh, so they did it smell. Did it smell? Right. Oh, oh, there is a smell in late, but it's not the same smell. Hold on. Mm. So um, people said they heard a whistle, but there was no one there. And then they snapped a picture. And I'll share this part on our website or our Patreon or something. But they say that I've seen the picture that they snapped. And they say it does look like a person on fire running <gasps> and um, oh, horrible. it kind of does oh no but you know horrible. skeptic i'm a skeptic and so i'm like night photography is hard <laughs> you know i mean like you can never get people to stand still and just, <laughs> but um so there's a dude there's a dude named randy russell oh god y'all who wrote a book in 2014 the, the book is called the ghost will see you now haunted hospitals of the south don't write that down um <laughs> He tells a, a story that he purportedly heard from a Monford resident who was walking her dog. Um, she says that she saw a woman wearing red shoes mm. and carrying a paintbrush walking the streets of Monford one night. She's an attractive woman. And the, the quote from the ladies, her, her hair is frizzy and she smells like smoke. Um, mm. The first thing, so she does kind of smell. Um, the first thing you notice, though, is not the hair, it's the shoes. She's wearing bright red shoes. The woman's walking her dachshund. Dog doesn't bark at the woman. Um, who shows up, and he barks at everybody. Um, now, this Monford resident, now listen, so the author calls this resident the Monford wife. Um, oh, in, bad. Uh, See, thank you. That's so bad. In, instead of lady or resident or person, which probably gives you some idea of the kind of guy we're talking about here. Um, but um, so the woman approached this, this mystery lady um, on the, to pass her on the sidewalk, and she says hi. And the lady stops, and they're under a streetlight, so they can see each other's face really clearly. And the woman that he interviewed said, she looked at me as if she might know me and was trying to remember my name. I thought she was going to ask me a question, but instead she just disappeared right there where she was standing. It started at the head and went down, like she disappeared top to bottom. And I remember her red shoes stayed around the longest. They glowed in the dark while she was waiting for it to just kind of disappear. Um, he says that other residents have seen this too. And the, the woman that that resident saw was called Zelda Bell. And if left undisturbed, she will stop on the rise near the old hospital and paint the air in front of the hospital with her brush. And then an hour or two later, she'll walk down the slope and she'll disappear. Um, of course, then this author goes into a really dickheaded, dismissive commentary on Zelda as a stupid, spoiled debutante. So please don't buy his book. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's really rude. I mean, if you want to read it just for like shits and giggles, just to be mean to him, you can do that. But man, I was like, I was really pissed off when I finished reading that story. Mm. His is the only record of that ghost that I've found. Okay. So I don't know. He could have. Uh, 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 uh. 
But there are other Fitzgerald-related incidents, and they're not from the hospital. They're from here. Oh. So I know I said I wasn't going to tell local stories, but I had a phone call with somebody this week. What? <laughs> um, I spoke with somebody at the Fitzgerald Museum here in Montgomery. <gasps> I know, you, it's like cheating. I know you did. <laughs> Go ahead. But I couldn't help myself. <laughs> um, they actually have had reports and weird experiences. One, thing, one time um, they saw a picture fall randomly off the wall, which is funny because the person I was talking to was like, I don't like that frame anyways. It's fine. <laughs> Um, doors will shut by themselves at night. And, and again, this is the, the Sayre family house that this, this museum is in. Um, so, and, and anyone who knows this museum and this house, you might know they recently, just a couple of years ago, opened up an Airbnb. So if you, if you want to stay in the Zelda suite or the Scott suite, which again, I'm seriously like wetting my pants as an English major. I'm like, oh my God, this is so amazing. Um, you can, there are two upstairs suites and then the museum is downstairs in this house. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, so not long ago, they had a mother and daughter stay at the Airbnb in one of the two suites. And one morning, they come rushing down the stairs, and their eyes are wide. They're not scared. They're, like, super excited because they've done – they've actually done ghost tours and, you know, haunts and stuff like that before. But that's not why they came here. They came here because they like the books and they like the history and everything. Um, they said the night before, they'd been in the room, and the rocking chair in the corner just started rocking. Hmm. And again, they did not come here for this. Like, this is not something that this, this museum advertises as their thing, you know. And um, it would go for a bit, and then it would just stop. And, uh, and then it would start again. And so after they realized that this was not just, like, a random one-time occurrence, they started taking pictures, and they showed them to the museum staff. And in one of the pictures, there is apparently a fog in the corner of the room behind the rocking chair. Is it online? Um, I have asked for it, but they want to get permission from the people who took the photo oh, first. So if I can amazing. get it, I will share it. Yes. I'm trying to get it. Um, there was another incident where a family was staying in one of the two suites. The family's 12-year-old daughter comes downstairs and says, God, there are people up there and they're really loud. <laughs> Except there are only two suites and the other one had been evacuated like that morning. They, there was a European couple staying and the other one they had already checked out. And so this person I was talking to went upstairs and saw the door to the other suite was open and heard steps walking around in the room. So they're like, hello. And the steps stopped, but nobody called back. Nobody said, anybody. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, they're standing there and they're like, hello. And again, nobody's calling back. And they're like, okay, so... Somebody who is legitimately just not checked out on time is going to respond to you calling up the stairs. Right. And so at this point, like, their thought is not, oh, we're haunted. It's, oh, my God, somebody's here to kill me. And right? they run up and they shut the door to put a barrier between them and whoever this is. They run downstairs and they call the cops. Right. And um, the cops come and they sweep the rooms. There is also video footage of the corridors outside the rooms. Nobody goes in or out. Cops find absolutely no one. There was no one there. But they actually, they even, like, they did not believe themselves. They sent somebody up to the suite to walk around to see if they could replicate the sound. And they're like, no, that was the heavy sound of a human body walking up and down right. in that room. Wow. And um, so, now, the person I said to said they, they do not think that it's Zelda or Scott's ghost right. that's in that in that area. They said that, that that area above where they made the Airbnb, that was apartments for a really long time. So they're like, well, you don't know who, who was there is. or what happened there. Right. But the area they're in, like the Cloverdale area here, there are a lot of other haunts that are in that area. So they're like, ah, 
I am not going to sleep tonight. You know? <laughs> We're like right around the corner. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, so there's my story. Yeah. Local, not local. Yes, thank you. That was good. I guess that's it. Is that what we got? That's what we got. That's what we came here to do. Oh, we didn't thank talk you. about. Oh, oh I'm so yes, sorry, Courtney. We're gonna. Um, we need to give a shout out to. Do you want to talk about them? Always. Yeah. Yes. Well, we posted on our Facebook page this morning. Love to Louisiana and Mississippi today because of all the um, weather mess that they're experiencing right now. Right, Hurricane Barry. Yes, Hurricane Barry. So Courtney made us a drink called the Tropical Storm, and that is what we've been enjoying and tonight. It's delicious. It is as it always is. And we will share the recipe, recipe. as we always do on as our we website. Um, we're on the web at thestrangesouth.com. Um, that is thestrangesouth.com. You can find links to all our socials there, um, social medias. Episodes are there if you want to listen to them on there, and show notes. So links and things like that where we got all our information. You can follow those rabbit trails with us if you want to. Right. Um, like us, love us, follow us. Right. And right. Uh, social media links are also, if you don't know anything about podcasts, like you just click the play button um, on whatever story you want to hear there or follow the bazillion links we have to all the, we're on all the things we're on all the things we're on all the things so thanks to Christy yes, Meaner and the Wetumpka Depot players and don't forget to get your tickets for Big Fish Big right here at Wetumpka Depot Theater thank you guys for coming thank you so much we appreciate you so Marlea you're all the time talking about this goat house bar in Montgomery that you went to and had this fantastic time yeah, so know, right? tell me about it so the goat house beer garden is where I like to go when I'm in Montgomery because I could like I, I go I see a show I visit Jackson Island where the big fish set is or I protest stupid fucking decisions of our government <laughs> and the goat house is the place where I like to go while I'm doing it well that's awesome I've also heard that the goat house highlights local artists singers songwriters makers chefs brewers and entrepreneurs which that's us right it's we're true. all those things yeah <laughs> um and they intentionally support only original content because they truly believe that communities begin grow and sustain when creatives and entrepreneurs thrive what a fantastic idea it is a fantastic idea it's a great atmosphere it's great company it's a lot of fun and it's less than 10 minutes from hank williams grave which is haunted so the oh. next time you go to say hey to old hank Go stop by the Goat House Beer Garden. Amazing. Yep. What? He had a tiny dick. Oh, thank you for explaining that to me. <laughs>